Welcome in, everybody, to the latest episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. It is Wednesday, January 20th, and we are going through uh, some head coaching hires here for the NFL. Uh, Obviously, there are still some jobs uh, left open as the time that we are recording this. Um, You know, I believe the jobs still available are the Houston Texans and the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll talk about those two jobs at the end. Uh, But we're going to go through all the hires, uh, discuss, you know, areas of concern, hires I really like, fits that make somewhat sense to me, um, and then some some head scratchers in here too. So uh, we're going to go one by one through the teams, just talk about them. Uh, Not going to be a terribly long podcast, but definitely just want to share kind of my thoughts on on what's going around with some of these teams because, uh, you know, granted for, you know, at least three of them, these are some really important hires, if not the most important hires of the last decade for some of these franchises. So uh, really um, big decisions uh, to protect, you know, or, you know, a guy like Trevor Lawrence who's going to be entering the NFL with a, with a head coach trying it out for the first time at the NFL. Or, you know, what, what, what are the Jets going to do now? Or is it Sam Darnold with one more go? Is it Justin Fields? Is it Zach Wilson? Um, you know, another one, the Chargers. Look, you've... you've Figured out the hard part. You've got a franchise quarterback for the next 15 years. Now, how do you build around it? How do you optimize this current situation? Um, how do you get the right coaching for him? Because if, if you are a fan of this show, if you've listened to me all year, I said from week three that Anthony Lynn was not the fit for Justin Herbert. And I love Anthony Lynn. He's a great human being. Um, and look, he's going to be a good offensive coordinator if he lands somewhere. Uh, but he wasn't the fit for Justin Herbert, and it's so important. You know, I, what I always applaud teams for is one unified vision from ownership to management to the coaching staff to the players. You know, uh, I give a lot of credit to Baltimore. They continue to kind of mold and change their their uh, their team to all fit the same structure. Now with Lamar Jackson, it's we are uh, not only just going to have the staple, terrific, aggressive violent defense that they've had for the last 20 years now, but they're also going to be the same side on on, on the uh, offensive side of the football, where they're just going to run it down your throats. They've got Lamar Jackson, aggressive, uh, you know, big tackles, fullback, good running backs, and a quarterback who can run as well, too. I love when teams have a unified vision. So I want to take a look at some of these, which ones I love, which uh, teams, you know, missed out on the right guy. You know, there are a couple we're going to talk about where I'm like, man, how did you let X candidate escape your grasp? Like, it it should have been a slam dunk hire. They obviously don't go that way. We'll talk about some of the guys that aren't going to get jobs this time around. And like I said, we'll talk about the Texans and Eagles gig at the end as well. Um, You know, one note that I was thinking about when getting ready for this show is I did a podcast last offseason. It might have even been around this time of the year uh, where we were taking a look at the, the four head coaching hires um, that, that happened last offseason, and it was uh, it was Matt Rule to the Carolina Panthers. It was Joe Judge to the New York Giants. It was um, Mike McCarthy to the Dallas Cowboys, and the fourth was Ron Rivera to now the Washington football team. And if you remember from that podcast, I went back and listened to it. Uh, <laughs> no surprise, and actually, you know, Kind of, kind of hit on all four, really. I, I love the Matt Rule and Joe Judge hiring. Um, and, you know, look, they didn't have a ton of wins, but I can tell that they are going in the right direction. 
Um, I can tell that Carolina offensively is going to be great. Um, And, you know, with Joe Brady, if he stays around, I know he's interviewing for the Eagles job. I think he interviewed for the Texans job. Um, But I I think they're a quarterback and some defensive pieces away from getting it right. He seems to be a very lovable coach as well, too, throughout all of his, uh, his players. Joe Judge, likewise. He, to me, is another example of this these hidden gems in the Belichick uh, coaching tree, kind of like Brian Flores. It was a rough start, but he's got guys buying into the system that got hot towards the end of the season with a bad roster. You know, if they're aggressive in free agency like Miami was this past offseason and they can address positions of need, there's still help on the offensive line. I still think you need a little help at receiver, tight end potentially. Quarterback is a big one. Uh, you know, the, the commitment to Daniel Jones could sh- certainly uh, hurt them. Uh, but those were my two favorite hires, and, and I'd stick by that today. My third favorite was Ron Rivera, and the reason being, uh, my, my biggest reason in that podcast is that Washington needed a culture change. And what has Ron Rivera done in, in one season? He changed the entire culture of the Washington football team. It's a, it's a likable team. Um, you know, I was not a fan of Dan Snyder. I was not a fan of some of their management guys. I was not a fan of their, their uh, Jay Gruden. You know, he got into some trouble too. They just needed a makeover. And Ron Rivera has done that and he's done it well and he's done it quick. And then my least favorite hiring, surprise, surprise, Mike McCarthy. Um, wasn't a fan of it. And it was what, week three, week four, where players were already frustrated at playing for him. Um, so, you know, I always like to take a look, you know, year after year, kind of what I've said along the way. You know, what stuff do I have to reconsider? Um, from this past one, I don't think there was a ton that I had to reconsider. You know, I, I still stand to this day. I, I like the Judge and the um, Matt Rule hirings. I think those are guys that can be uh, longtime head coaches for both of those franchises. Ron is doing what he needs to do. Not only did he get that team to the playoffs, but he also got them uh, just in a, a better place overall as an organization. He's doing a lot of good change there uh, that needed to be done. And look, Mike... I would give it one more year. If it doesn't look good next year, I, I thought, I'm, I'm always someone, and I, I keep saying this on the podcast, if you know something is broken and it's not going to be fixed, get rid of it. Um, you know, Josh Rosen was an example. We'll talk about Tua and, and that quarterback situation a bunch through the offseason. It's going to be a, 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 it's gonna be a uh, heavily discussed topic. Um, Mike McCarthy, I don't see it working at all. And... and you know, you can blame the injuries they had. They had a really bad defense. Their injuries were awful. Um, but I still see teams like the 49ers going through injuries and still dealing. Um, granted, the Cowboys did beat the 49ers. So, um, I, I look, I, I, think, I think I feel pretty good about everything that I said last year about the head coaches. Uh, so let's go into it. Let's stop wasting time. Let's break down these hires. The big one to talk about first is the most like, wow, I can't believe this happened. And that's the Jacksonville Jaguars bringing in Urban Meyer, Uh, you know, former Ohio State head coach, previously with the Florida Gators, Bowling Green, Utah, been all around the college ranks, Um, has retired a couple of times uh, due to health. He also has a lot of baggage he carries around with him. There was a report in Florida, I think he hit about 30 different allegations or arrests during his tenure in Florida. Obviously, his assistant coach, Ryan Smith, uh, got into some trouble, and uh, Urban necessarily didn't uh, do his part in bringing that situation to light. And uh, whether or not he hit it or not, he certainly didn't come out of that situation uh, looking great. Um, so at first, at first when this hire was made, I didn't like it. I was really against it. 
I thought that head coaches we've seen now from time to time that make the jump from college to the pros, um, especially coaches that are like Urban, they are they are you know so in love with the game that they are just uh, they're very passionate. They yell a lot. Um, they're aggressive to their players, not in a bad sense. In college, it works. You know, Nick Saban works in college. He didn't really work in the NFL. Um, we've seen a bunch of great coaches, great college coaches tried in the NFL and it doesn't work. There are some that make it work. Obviously the most prominent one is Jimmy Johnson who made it work. Um, and I, and I was worried. I, I, I was worried with urban because health issues, his, uh, seem of maybe not necessarily caring a lot about football. And I say that in a sense of, you know, he has dipped out on a few separate occasions now. You know, you're bringing in the most important era of Jacksonville Jaguars football in its entire existence. You are getting the most prominent prospect out of college since Andrew Luck. Some consider him to be even better than Andrew Luck coming out of college. Um, and if Trevor Lawrence is going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar, this is going to be the, the most important stretch in franchise history. Uh, because if you screw this up, then it's going to be a really bad stain for a franchise that doesn't have a passionate fan base, one that's flirted, you know, are they going to move the team to London? Um, not not great facilities. Uh, so I, I was a little worried. I, I was like, okay, but what if Urban dips out pretty quick? What if what if he has one 5-11 season and his heart is destroyed because he's never lost in his entire life like that? Um, and then, you know, I... I watched his intro presser, um, and there were a few things that stuck out to me. He, you know, he I loved that he had a conversation with Jimmy Johnson uh, at length about what adjustments did you have to make at the pro level. Because it's one thing when you're yelling at kids that are on scholarship, they're students, they're young guys, they don't have a lot of fame, they don't have a lot of money. You know, they're they're trying to get to the best that they can be to get to the pro level. And the problem is, is when you've got NFL players that are making, you know just under as much or even more money than you are as the head coach. Some of those players don't like being talked to like they're 18 years old, like they're a walk-on freshman at Ohio State. Um, so, you know, there's a lot that you have to adjust to in your coaching style and how you approach your players and how you treat your players. Um, and he, he acknowledged that. That was one of the first things he acknowledged in, the, acknowledged in the press conference, that he does have to change his coaching style, that he does have to adapt to a, a different era of football um, the college game is so different from the NFL. So we acknowledge that. That made me feel pretty good. And, and I think, I, I think at the end of the day, I'm, I'm feeling okay about it. I, I don't, I, I'm not saying that I've gone from hating the hire to loving the hire. I went from hating the hire to let's at least give him a chance before I go and just bash and say, this is going to not work out. Urban's going to be gone in three years. And then you've wasted the early parts of a, of your franchise quarterback's career, because that's the, that's my least favorite thing in the world. My least favorite thing in the world is where you start a new regime with a head coach and a, a franchise quarterback. They don't mesh at all. It doesn't work. You fire the head coach. Then the quarterback has to learn a new playbook. Um, you know, Sam Darnold, perfect example. He had to learn like three new playbooks in his first few years. He had Todd Bowles as his head coach. Second year, they switched the offensive coordinator. Then they go, or do I have that wrong? Was it the first year they went to Adam Gase and then a new coordinator? Either way, it was three years in, and and Adam and, and a guy like Sam Darnold has had to change what he's learning every year. It's hard to, it's hard to consistently improve when your playbook is changing, when everything you're being taught is changing. 
you need to have stability at the beginning parts of your career. Even guys nowadays, you know, a perfect example, Aaron Rodgers and, and Matt LaFleur. Look, he was phenomenal in his first year because he's Aaron Rodgers in that new system post-Mike McCarthy. And then year two, he's the MVP. You, there's so much that you have to change and adjust to with a new style of football, with a new look, with a new offensive coordinator. There is so much that you have to change. So even guys that are, you know, 15-year vets struggle in that first year with a new system. So then you take a guy that's coming from the college ranks, the game is faster, the game hits harder, and you have all these constant changes. Like, you need stability if you're going to invest in a franchise quarterback. Um, and so... That's, that's my concern with Jacksonville is that Urban isn't going to be a guy that coaches the Jaguars for, you know, I mean, five, even five-plus years? I, I don't know. And, and maybe it's a situation where Urban has a really some really great coordinators, and when the time comes that he wants to leave, he can just pass it on to one of those coordinators. Um, but th that's my concern. I, at the very least, what this is going to do is make the Jaguars relevant. And yes, Trevor Lawrence does that on his own. But now you're getting a guy that is beloved by by the state of Florida. You know, Urban has a lot of respect uh, in that area. It's, what, an hour from Gainesville, where he really enjoyed a lot of success at Florida. Um, this, is, this is the perfect move if you're going to commit to the Jaguars getting this right now. Getting this right starting this year. And, and if you're tying Urban with Trevor Lawrence, I hope that it lasts for more than a few years. I hope Urban doesn't get upset by a 5-11 season and then a 7-9 season because, look, that division is tough. The Colts have a, a really deep roster, a young roster. The Texans, as of now, have Deshaun Watson. And the Titans have a talented head coach um, and obviously a talented offense. Um, although, you know, we'll talk in a little bit replacing their offensive coordinator. So I hope that Urban is committed. That's my only concern. Um, and, and I'm really excited to see how it goes. You know, there's a lot of coaching situations here where it's like, hey, I don't know what we're going to get, but I'm excited to watch it, and none is more exciting than this hire. So um, I, I was trying to figure out if I was going to do grades or not on the hires or what I think. I, this, is a, this is a B hire. This is a B. My only concern, the only reason I wouldn't make it an A is I don't know if this is the long-term plan. If this is Because you, you, you've got – you need stability. And, and uh, there wasn't stability at the beginning of Andrew Luck's career – there wasn't stability at the beginning of Sam Darnold's career. Granted, I didn't believe he was a, a, a that talented of a head coach, but there wasn't stability for him. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, there, there are situations across the league where instability ruins a player's career. And so, yes, I think Trevor is one of those quarterbacks that can overcome a lot of adversity. He's that talented. But I, I just... I. If you want it to be great, you know, Andrew Luck is another guy that overcame adversity. He had a really bad offensive line, a terrible defense, and coaching that switched a lot. Different coordinators coming in, different head coaches coming in. He overcame it. They went to the playoffs, but his career ended at the age of 29. What I want is to see a quarterback as talented as him have the stability where it's not just him saving the franchise. It's where him and the franchise take this leap to superstar status. And, and Trevor has that potential. My only concern is that, you know, around him, management, coaching, I need stability. And Jacksonville has been one of the most in, uh, unstable franchises over the last 20 years. One winning season in 13 years. They have to get this right. Because, you know, there, there are situations where you just look around. Deshaun Watson is, is, needs a trade. 
Andrew Luck retired because of the injuries that his franchise failed. I, I just we we ruin players' careers by instability. So I'll give it a B. It really could be a slam dunk. Like if Urban comes in and he is dedicated and this thing goes extremely well, like this could be amazing. But I just I can't say that I feel confident that he's going to be a guy that's sticking around for even five years. Let's move on uh, to, I guess, what I'm going to call my favorite hire by a landslide. You know, the grade on this one, if you're if we're we are going to do grades now, this grade is an A is an A plus uh, the New York Jets, Robert Sala, former San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator for the last uh, three, four seasons, I believe now. This guy just, he is one of the most loved coordinators I have ever seen. Players love the fuck out of this guy. He's smart. He is um, well represented. He carries himself well. He's a guy that I think, when I talk about having one clear vision throughout the organization. I'm going to ignore the ownership with the Jets because I don't love it. If they can just stay out of the way, that would be great. I'd love that for all my Jets fans out there. Johnson, stay out of the way. Let Joe Douglas do his work. Um, I, I love Joe Douglas. He had a pretty good draft last year. I think he's kind of doing the Chris Ballard. Just from what I've got to experience, I call it the Chris Ballard. I'm sure a lot of teams have done it before, but when you get the right GM, what does he do in the first few years? He drafts really well, and he gets rid of the awful, awful contracts on that team. Uh, you know, they got rid of Jamal Adams, Le'Veon Bell. They have gutted this roster. So now what you can do is draft your guys, bring in these value contracts. Uh, well, it'll be really interesting to see how he handles free agency period this offseason. This offseason is a massive one for the New York Jets. Kind of like how I said for, for Jacksonville, this is like a boomer bust. If it goes well, it's going to be great. If it doesn't, you're you're still the Jaguars and you're you're considered, you know, essentially the laughing stock of the NFL now. If you take a look, Cleveland, who's now, you know, in the playoffs, they've got a good team, good coaching, good management. Jacksonville, you're the laughing stock. And, and right next to you is the New York Jets. They just had a little bit more success, uh, you know, in, in the late 2000s, early 2010s. But these are the two teams where I say, like, you got to get this right now. Um, and for the Jets, they already got it right by getting the right GM in there. And uh, now they've got the right head coach. He, he is a guy that I think is just going to bring stability to a very instable organization. And when you think of the, the differences between a guy like him and a guy like Adam Gase and in just the character and how he is going to represent the franchise, I mean, Adam Gase, and we'll talk about another coach that was hired, where it didn't give me Adam Gase vibes, but it just was like, you know, you don't, you don't feel comfortable with Adam Gase standing on the podium talking about the team. Some guys just don't carry themselves well. Robert Sala, in every interview, in every conversation, the way he interacts with his players, he is the right hire. And, hey, he's also a damned good coach. The 49ers have dealt with so many injuries on the defensive side of the football the last three years, and they continuously are one of the top units. They have, they have, he does a great job in developing de uh, defensive players. You know, you think about some of the younger guys on that line, uh, Nick Bosa, uh, Fred Warner, um, you know, really helped, you know, the second chapter in Richard Sherman's career, which was great. Hey, by the way, Richard Sherman loves Robert Sala. I don't think his career is done yet. New York could get him over there. That'd be nice to finally have a cornerback. Tonight, 
to not have guys that I have to take a look and say, okay, your starting corner was cut from the Colts in 2018, and the other one, his name is Lamar Jackson, but he's not that Lamar Jackson. That could be a guy, you know. If I'm, if I'm, if it's at the right price, I'd, I'd go get Richard Sherman. It proves he can be a good corner in that defensive system. Um, but to talk about the Jets, to talk about this hire, I love it. I think it is the right direction for the New York Jets. Um, where I take a look and I say, GM, head coach, they're going to be aligned on on how to structure this team. I never thought for a second that Joe Douglas and Adam Gase were on the same page with each other. Um, my only worry is that I'm too in love with Joe Douglas. That's my only worry. You know, there was a point where I was, you know, I was jumping early on the Chris Ballard uh, love train, and I'm still there. But it's like, okay, I, I have only given him one offseason, and I've been happy with what I saw in that one offseason. They got a great left tackle. Um, they were able to get a, a punter as a punter, but they got a good punter. He's made right decisions with the cap. Um, you know, we've seen some of the younger guys in this team develop nicely. A guy like Quinnen Williams, I think, is going to just flourish in this role. You think about the impressive defensive tackles that have been in San Francisco the last few years. Uh, most prominently, DeForest Buckner, who was an All-Pro for the Colts this year after he was traded away. Um, you know, I, I my only concern would be is that Joe Douglas isn't as great of a GM as I'm giving him credit for. And it's just because it's a small sample size. Like, if he goes in this offseason and he's handing out massive contracts to guys that I wouldn't, you know, and we'll, we'll get into all of free agency once the NFL season wraps up because there are some guys that are going to be available that it's like, oh, the Jets could pay a lot of money. Like, you have a lot of cap space, but what I'm going to be interested in is saving that cap space because you know that you're going to draft well, and one day you're going to have to extend those guys. That's why the Colts, for the last three offseasons, have been one of the top three teams in cap space, and they still are there. Why is that? Because they're not bringing in bad contracts. They're developing their guys that they draft, and then when the time comes, they can extend all of them so they don't have to lose their homegrown talent. Homegrown talent, to me, is really the foundation of building a, a stable franchise. Uh, you know, we see all these dream teams, you know, and all these trades and free agent signings. I've most, you know, it, it happens more in other leagues like the NBA, but the NFL, the one that I can think of, is when everybody joined that Eagles team and it just didn't work out. You had too many personalities, too many guys making a ton of money. And they, they hated each other by the end of the season. Um, so my only concern is that Joe Douglas isn't the GM that I think he is. But Robert Sala, to me, has a track record of, of saying, I see the way that he interacts with these players. I, I see the product uh, in terms of how great their defense has been the last few years in San Francisco. And I say that this is my favorite hire um, of the offseason so far. And uh, given that the two jobs are the Eagles and the Texans, I can't see either of them hiring a guy that I would prefer more. Um, so love the Robert Sala hire. I, I think just I think that this is finally going to be a stable head coach after the mess that was Adam Gase, the meh with Todd Bowles. Um, you know, you go back to the Rex Ryan days, and he had a lot of success there. I think that that Robert Sala, uh, I think Robert Sala is going to be the head coach of the New York Jets for a very long time. Let's move on to one that I'm a little iffy on. A little iffy. Um, Atlanta Falcons hire Arthur Smith. 
Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator for the last two years. Uh, really, you take a look at his track record. He spent a lot of time in the Titans organization, assistant tight ends coach, tight ends coach. He kind of worked his way up, took over as the offensive coordinator in 2019, which is obviously when the Titans made a very big splash and a very big uh, change offensively. It was a lot of Derrick Henry as the feature back, and he went on his tear over the last two years that we've all come to know. You know, this most recent season ran for over 2,000 yards. Um, Ryan Tannehill resurrected his career with Arthur Smith, which, you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest Ryan Tannehill guy. I think he's in a great situation with a lot of play action. Um, and look, the Titans offense has been great. You know, they had a really good season out of Corey Davis. AJ Brown is one of the brightest young stars at receiver. They have these tight ends that appear out of nowhere and do well. Um, you know, I always thought that they didn't have the best, uh, you know, uh, change of pace running back to, to counter with, with Derrick Henry. Um, and, you know, the biggest reason that I felt pretty good about Arthur Smith is uh, their offensive line took a huge step back this year, but their offense didn't. Um, so it showed me that, okay, he's adjusting to the fact that they don't have as good of an offensive line. You lose Jack Conklin, uh, Luan gets hurt. Um, they were still able to have a lot of success, especially in the run game, which makes me think stylistically, uh, you know, a situation in Atlanta where I don't love their offensive line. They've got a few pieces uh, but, you know, I take a look and I say, okay, he can probably still have some success uh, in, in shaping this offense for Atlanta. This is the guy that I was saying that didn't give me Adam Gase vibes. But when you see him in, in press conferences and you saw him in his introductory press conference with the Falcons, uh, you know, uh, when this podcast is being recorded, it was the same day. And I don't know. I just, you know, I, I go from watching a guy like Robert Sala... I go from watching an older guy like Urban Meyer. They just have this, um, I don't know, they, they have a confidence. That's what it is. And Urban's is a little more reserved, and he's got the track record to prove it. Salah's got confidence because, I mean, how could you not? I mean, you take a look at, you know, A, his success that he's had, B, his personality, C, his looks, his build. He's, he's got to be a confident guy. Arthur Smith seems like a very timid head coach. Um, and seems just kind of a little nerdy, and that's fine. Nerds can be good at, at football and play calling, but you know when I think of getting a locker room to buy in, I think that the Titans fortunately had Mike Rabel, who is one of the you know he's got some of the biggest cojones in all of football. Aggressive guy, players love him. Uh, you know players do talk well of Arthur Smith, but when I when I see him in front of the podium, I'm like, is this gonna work? Is he going to get a Falcons team to really buy into what he's doing? Considering the fact that, hey, look, he's really only had two years of, of success. And and the success is really interesting because with the Titans, my main concern with them in, in the games that they've lost, you know, in the playoffs the last two years, games that they've lost in the regular season, is Arthur Smith doesn't do a great job of, of mid-game adjustments. And the most recent example, and I've talked about it a bunch in the last few weeks after their game against the uh, the Baltimore Ravens, Derrick Henry gets shut down. Now what do you do? And in those occasions, Arthur Smith, his answer is, well, we just keep running Derrick Henry on first and 10. And we run him again on second and eight. Now it's third and six. And uh, okay, Tannehill, try and, try and make something work for us. You know, there's been three or four different games over the last two seasons where that seems to be the plan. And... and when you have Derrick Henry, it's and when he's on, it's great because 80% of the time, he's going to run down the other team's throats. 
But when a really good team comes up and hits you right in the mouth, how do you react? How do you adjust? Um, you know, he's not going to have Derrick Henry in Atlanta. He's going to have a hobbled Todd Gurley. You know, the, the style that he's been accustomed to and what he made so successful in Tennessee isn't the mold of how they're going to win football games in Atlanta the way that this roster is currently structured. They could go, they could get a power running back, they could, you know, I don't believe that they would draft a guy in the first round. They would have to trade back up at the end of the first round to do so. Um, But the way that this team is currently structured, the strength is the passing offense. The strength is uh, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, uh, Hayden Hurst at tight end had a pretty good year, uh, Russell Gage. Like, the, the strengths of this are not the strengths of this Titans team. Now, I, I do give credit to Arthur Smith because I think he, he is a very smart mind. Um, I just, I can't say that I, I love the hire or I feel confident in the hire simply because of the fact that the track record is a little short. Um, and stylistically, it doesn't fit what he just did. I, I usually would like to see how offensive coordinators do in, with different teams. Um, because yeah, you can have success in a power run game when you have the the freak of nature of the NFL that is Derrick Henry, and and you know I, I think what people have become accustomed to across the league, and I've tried to hint at this throughout the season, is uh, you can make average quarterbacks look pretty good by the use of play action. Cleveland did it with Baker Mayfield. San Francisco did it with Jimmy G the last few years. Sean McVay has done it the last few years with Jared Goff. Uh, Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> in Tennessee, um, and all of that is great when you have a great run game. But play action when you don't have a great run game is a whole different story. And and look, we'll have to see what Matt Ryan has left in the tank. We have to see if maybe Matt Ryan isn't the future quarterback for the Falcons. You know, there is a couple questions this offseason, what this roster is going to look like. So five months from now, this team could be structured where I'd say, oh, Arthur Smith could make this work. But in terms of a just a, a presence, a swagger to him, um, I don't feel confident in saying that this is going to be the long-term fix for the Atlanta Falcons. And, and, you know, out of the hires, so far, this is my least favorite. This really is. Um, and I don't know if, if I should speak on this now or if I should save it for later. Look, I, I think that this would have been a situation, and there's a couple of them, where I say, okay, well, why why not just wait for Brian Dable? I, I get the reasoning for saying, okay, well, we have a candidate who is available now that we like, or we have a candidate that's probably better, but we can't we can't hire him for another week. Like, what's happening in the next seven days where the Falcons are just going to lose out on the opportunity to hire Brian Dable. Only situations I would foresee are, are Brian saying that he would want to commit. But at that point, I don't know if Arthur Smith was going to be hired elsewhere. I mean, maybe with the Chargers. I'm not sure. I don't think so. Um, but that's, you know, one where I'm just like, why don't we just wait? You know, the 49ers waited on Kyle Shanahan. They said, okay, he's he's moving along in the postseason. They've got the number one offense, the Falcons. The Falcons, they keep advancing. Oh, they're going to the Super Bowl. Uh, they lose the Super Bowl. The offense looks pretty good, though. Okay, now we can hire him. Okay, let's go get him. And, hey, 
Two years later, they made it to a Super Bowl. So, you know, I, I don't get the point in, in not waiting for certain guys. I get it in the sense of, like, anything could happen. As in, okay, you know, uh, in a situation with the Colts. They hired Josh McDaniels. They waited for him. They hire him. He changes his mind, and then all of a sudden, the well is dried up. Now you have to go to a guy like Frank Reich, which, you know, has turned out pretty good for the Colts. But still, it's a, it's a situation where you risk not having more candidates uh, to choose from. But I, I think I, I would have much rather have uh, Eric Bieniemy. I would much rather have Brian Dable. Um, those are at least two guys that I'd say I'd, I'd rather have than Arthur Smith. And I don't think Arthur Smith is going to necessarily be a bad one. I just have the most questions about him given the small track record. You know, a guy like Brian Dable, his development in Buffalo is great, but he's had success before. He's coached in the Belichick, uh, you know, locker room. He's been around Saban. He's been around successful teams. I know the track record. And then we see him at the most important position before becoming a head coach. He has had so much success, has turned around a quarterback that had some real questions, and he's now a star. Um, you know, I, I feel way more confident in a guy like Brian Dable working than a guy in Arthur Smith who, you know, just worked his way up in the same organization, had two quick years of success uh, predicated on a, a the best running back in football and then doing a lot of play action off of that. And... Um, and especially, you know, the Falcons, they don't they don't really fit that. They're not going to be that team unless they make some major changes this offseason. So uh, I'm going to give it a C-. minus. I don't love it. It's my least favorite. I'm not going to give anybody Fs here. I, I don't think there was any situation where it was as bad as Adam Gase, but I definitely do get some Gase kind of vibes. Not in terms of his personality. I just where I say, okay, maybe he just doesn't have the uh, overall character, composure, and confidence of a head coach that I would want to see. Um, so that's that one. Um, those are those are three big ones that uh, really needed to be talked about. Um, th those are the three main ones where I say, like, those are the biggest hires, the biggest moves. You know, I, I have questions about the Urban Meyer one. I love the Robert Sala one, and I don't feel great about the Falcons hiring Arthur Smith. Um, so let's go to uh, two more we've got now. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, they hire Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley. Uh, crazy story with Staley. Five years ago, he was coaching Division III, um, and he's worked his way up to now being a head coach for a franchise in Los Angeles. Um, he's only 38 years old, has just four total years of, of NFL coaching experience, Um Fun fact, former Duke, defensive coordinator for James Madison. Uh, shout out to Brandon Staley, go Dukes. Um, so happy, happy for him to be, you know, get this opportunity as a former coach uh, from JMU. You know, he, he comes in, he uh, succeeds Wade Phillips as the Rams defensive coordinator last year. Uh, previously, he had spent some time with, uh, oh, what's his name, Vic Fangio. Let me just pull up the full track record here just so I can show where he's gone, where he's been, where he's going. Uh, so before being the head coach, he was the defensive coordinator for last year. The year before that, linebackers coach for the Broncos. Two years before that, linebackers coach with the Bears. He obviously followed uh, uh, Vic Fangio from Chicago to Denver. Uh, had a lot of success in the um, resurrection of Bradley Chubb in his great second year. Um, look, I don't think he's bad. 
I, I don't think it's going to be a bad head coaching hire at all. I he clearly every step that he's gone, he's had success. You know, the the Bears had a really talented defense. Then the Broncos in 2019 had a really great defense. And then the Rams in 2020 had a really great defense. Um, you know, he doesn't qualify for me as a guy from the Sean McVay tree. If you're a defensive coordinator and your head coach is Sean McVay, sure, you've learned stuff about leadership and the ways to work a locker room from him. But he didn't learn X's and O's from him on the offensive side. You know, you spent your time focusing on that defense. Fortunately for him, you know, next year, the, the thing for the Chargers to me is like, this could be a playoff team next year if they just figure out how to keep their guys healthy. Can we get a full season out of Melvin Ingram? Can we finally get a full season out of Derwin James? You know, I liked, uh, you know, taking Patrick Queen. Or wait, is it Patrick Queen or is it the other one? Kenneth Murray? Is it Kenneth Murray? I think it is Kenneth Murray. I'm getting my rookie linebackers mixed up. Um... You know, they've got the Notre Dame uh, defensive tackle, Jerry Tillery. The, this is a talented defense. It just needs to stay healthy. And that goes for both sides of the ball as well, too. Obviously, the receivers were a little banged up. Mike Williams misses games here or there. He actually had a pretty uh, pretty level season this year. I think he was available for, if not all games, most of them. Um, I, I, I think that this is a good hire. To me, the importance is who is your offensive coordinator. Because Brandon Staley, I think, is going to have a lot of success as as the on the defensive side for the Chargers. My biggest concern was who are you going to be bringing in to run this offense? Uh, Anthony Lynn was not the answer. He's a run-first guy, former running back, running back's coach throughout his career. He wants to win football games through the trenches, through the run game. And look, I, I'm all for having uh, you know a, a good rush attack, but at least a balanced offense. And then, hey... You also have Justin Herbert, who had the best rookie season of any quarterback of all time statistically. Now look, I'll say the best rookie quarterback I've ever seen was Robert Griffin III, um, but statistically, Herbert had the best uh, rookie season statistically by anybody in, in the NFL, in the history of the NFL. So you've got him, you've got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler. Uh, you've got so much ch- talent in the passing game. You, you got to find uh, an offensive coordinator to fit that. So to me, this is a this is a B higher. I think it's gonna go. I think it's gonna go well. Um, I the thing to me, this one more so than Atlanta is. I just I just don't get not waiting for Brian Dable. I think he would have taken this job. It, it, there was a point where I was like, okay, he's only stayed along the East Coast. He went to Alabama for a little bit, um, but he stayed mostly on the East Coast. His family's there. He grew up in New York. What he Make the jump to go to the West Coach. Obviously, if it's a head coaching gig, you're going to take it if it's available. Um, and it seemed to be like there was mutual interest. It's just, hey, the Bills are still in the playoffs, so we can't officially hire you. He's a guy that I say, okay, I would have loved Brian Dable as the head coach for the Chargers. To do with him, uh, to do with Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and all of those receivers, what they were able to accomplish this year with Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, uh, John Brown, Cole Beasley they could have had just as much success next year for the Chargers. Um, and look, you're at a time, you're, you're in a division with, with the Chiefs, so you got to have a great offense. you got to be able to put up a lot of points, and the personnel is there. I'm just worried about who the offensive coordinator is going to be. The problem is that the Rams um, are not allowing their offensive coordinator to interview for the Chargers' offensive coordinator position. They've blocked it thus far. I'm not sure. Maybe they will allow it. 
it, it's kind of a weird situation because you're not asking him to relocate. They play in the same stadium. He's already got the offensive coordinator position, but the problem is is that Sean McVay is really the offensive coordinator. So he's saying, oh, I would love a chance to be able to call these plays and, and prove that I've got it so that maybe in a year or two I can be the head coach. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I, I like the hire. The track record is a little short. It's quick. His rise up to being a head coach of a, of a marquee franchise is is certainly eye-popping, but I think it's a situation that'll work just because you go throughout his entire tenure and they've had success at every stop. You know, that was my thing with, with Arthur Smith. Like, I get it, when you're a tight ends coach, you can't really have a whole lot of say or input into the offense, but their offense was really bad through those Marcus Mariota years, and then, obviously, you know, Ryan Tannehill has proven to be a better quarterback, um, but they were only able to flip it then. Uh, they had bad offenses before that. I don't know. I, I just I, I think this is a B higher to me, but depending on who they bring in as the offensive coordinator, it could bump up to an A. It could. My only problem is I, I was having this conversation with my friend Teddy. I, I don't have to say my friend Teddy. He does these podcasts during the regular season. Um, so I was talking with Teddy because uh, he was talking about the Jets and who he wanted and the difference between bringing in a defensive guy, bringing in an offensive guy. I'm in the mindset that it's it's better to bring in an offensive-minded head coach, and a, obviously a good one, um, because if you get a defensive guy and you bring in smart offensive coordinators, they're going to keep taking jobs elsewhere. You're going to have to keep reshuffling, going to the well for more offensive coordinators again and again if things go well. And look, I think any offensive coordinator will have some success with that offense. Anthony Lynn did. They had a really good offense. Um my, my concern becomes you're going to give a young quarterback, a coordinator, a new one in his second year, so he's already learning something new this upcoming season, then say things go really well, and then in two years that offensive coordinator takes a head coaching gig when one of these other jobs fail. Then you got to bring in a new guy. If it's not from the same coaching tree, then it's a different playbook. you got to adjust for Justin Herbert again. You know, I, I kind of like the fact that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are glued to each other until, until Reid decides to retire. Because everything is going to be the same. You know, I don't love Jared Goff, but him and Sean McVay have something figured out because it's it's always going to be the same as long as both of them are there. The quarterback isn't having to adapt and change and learn new things. You know, if it's the same, you know each other's strengths, you know each other well. Um, so the only reason that this isn't an A for me is I would have preferred Brian Dable uh, to be the head coach of the Chargers. Um, if they can get a good offensive coordinator... Uh, one with a good track record, one that comes from a good coaching tree, I will definitely sign myself up for it. Um, but I, I definitely have a, you know, I, I just, I, I wish it was Dable, really, at the end of the day. This podcast is going a little bit longer than I hoped for, so I'm not sure how much we'll get into on other stuff, but we're going to talk uh, the last hire, the uh, which isn't official yet, I guess. I don't know if it's official or not yet. I guess I got to see it. Let me just pull it up here to see if they've officially made it official. No, it's sources. Okay, so so the Lions are hiring New Orleans Saints assistant head coach Dan Campbell. Uh, Campbell will be bringing with him, I believe, the defensive backs coach from the Saints to be his defensive coordinator. Um, let's just take a look through the track record. Young guy as well, 44 years old. Uh, he played with the Giants, the Cowboys, the Lions, did one year with the Saints. Uh, as soon as his playing career wrapped up, he went and was a coaching intern for the Dolphins. 
you know, moved up a little bit as the tight ends coach for four years, then took over as the interim head coach in 2015. And then over the last, uh, you know, four years since 2016, he's been assistant to the head coach and also the tight ends coach there. Um, I saw something that was really funny. Dan Campbell must be terrific in interviews. Uh, he was a third round pick by the New York Giants after he put up, sorry, let me, let me pull up the full stats because this just blows my mind. Um, I actually texted it so I know where I can find it quicker. Um, and we'll enjoy this long pause here while I look up links, 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 links. All right, here it is. Sorry about that. So <laughs> he had seven catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown in 13 games as a senior in college. Uh, I'll give credit to, to Bryce Rossler uh, on Twitter. He said that his resume was a daily fantasy stat line. And he convinced the New York football giants to pay him $1.8 million in the third round of the draft. He said, Bryce finished that up. He's a dark sorcerer. He's got to interview well. Because, yeah, he's a guy that the track record isn't terrific. It's not great. But, uh, you know, if a guy spends four years around a guy like, like Sean Payton and he doesn't take a lot of that stuff when he goes and gets his next job, then, you know, I'm a little scared. Um, I'll give it a B minus. I'll give it a B minus. It could be good. I have no idea. This this is there's always that one hire. They say this every year. There's that one hire where you you go and you go, "Oh, who's that?" You know, last year it was Joe Judge. And you know, to me when I looked at his, you know, uh career in the coaching realm, he'd spent time in the scouting department with New England. He was on offense, special teams, defense. He worked his way up to everything um and then got the head coaching job. Look, Dan Campbell hasn't done a ton of stuff. He was an interim head coach. Um, but he spent, you know, four really important years uh, next to Sean Payton. Um, I love that it says, yeah, on, I, of course I'm on Wikipedia, but it says assistant to the head coach. I love that. Just a, a great office shout out. Um, you know, I, it, to me, my problem with Detroit is, and I say this for the Chargers and how did you not get Brian Dable, uh, how, 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 how did the Lions not get Robert Sala? I don't. I don't know if if he if Sala just thought that the Jets was a more intriguing option. Fine, but you got a guy that grew up five minutes from the Detroit Lions stadium. He was an avid Lions fan growing up. His parents still live right outside the stadium. He went to school in Michigan. Um, he's Lebanese, and that that district that the stadium is in is the highest uh, Lebanese uh, area in the country. I don't, I'm saying this kind of incorrectly, but it's a very um, it would have been a really cool thing for that local community to have a guy represent them as the head coach for the Detroit Lions. My my, that's my biggest problem. Is like I don't know how Detroit screwed this up, other than Sala just saying, "Hey, look, this Jets job is more enticing." I like the fact that you already have a GM hired. The Lions, you know, when they were interviewing, didn't have a GM set up. Um, you know, the Jets is more enticing in terms of cap space. Uh, you can do a lot with the, you know, quarterback situation. The Lions are paying Matt Stafford. So they've already got the talented quarterback, but what direction would he want to go in? Um, so, you know, my problem with the Lions is like, how did you let Robert Sala escape? Dan could be fine. I'm, I'm just going B minus because, you know, there's not a whole lot that we know about the guy. And, and where I was confident in Joe Judge is I looked at the track record and I saw like, okay, this dude has learned everything from the best of the best in the business. He had spent time with Saban and then he did everything in New England. Um, you know, he, you know, Dan Campbell has been 
I guess in, in the coaching realm for a decade now, you know, started as an intern with the Dolphins. And I said, you know, four years as a tight ends coach there. Um, and then he, you know, made his way over to the Saints for the, the latter part of the, the last decade. Uh, but, you know, in terms of a guy that's fully encompassing, I, I don't I don't know. I, I'm just kind of, this is one of those hires where I go like, I, I don't know how it's going to go. Um, one way or the other. It could be great. It could be really good. You know, Detroit definitely has a weird situation where kind of like with the Falcons, you've got an aging quarterback with a lot of money. You've got a high draft pick. Uh, you've got talent on the roster. There's no doubt about it. You got talented uh, in in Detroit. I mean, you've got you know Kenny Galladay is a free agent, wasn't really available at all this season. Um, but then you know you've got uh, DeAndre Swift, talented running back. Like I said, Matt Stafford. You got T.J. Hawkinson. That offense can be a lot of fun. You know, great great news for Hawkinson to get a guy like Campbell. Um, really good for his development. I thought I thought he took a big step forward in year two. Um, I think he's a, a bright young tight end in this league. Um, I'm kind of just, you know, I, I don't know a whole lot about him. And there's not a whole lot to really read into uh, because his track record is is pretty short. Had a lot of success in New Orleans the last five years. So I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and think that it goes well. I, I think it'll be an okay hire. It's got to be better than Matt Patricia, right? I know it's not a lot of confidence for the Lions if, if you're a Lions fan listening to this, but eh, it'll be all right. Probably, maybe. I have no idea. Give it a B minus, just just because I, I don't even fucking know. I should probably leave it as like a questionable. Um, but that's all the jobs to talk about for now. Obviously, at the time I'm recording this, Texans and Eagles jobs have not been officially announced. I guess neither has the Lions, but we all know that he's going to be taking that job soon. Um, Eric Bieniemy and Brian Dable. Do not, <laughs> and I repeat, do not take either of these jobs that are still waiting. Philadelphia or Houston. To me, both are shit shows. Um, you know, you've got this kind of collusion between Howie Roseman and Carson Wentz that kind of pushed Peterson out of the way. Um, and now now Doug is gone and then it might be Josh McDaniels. Like, okay, cool. I, I wouldn't want to go to Philadelphia. You know, there's a reason every other team didn't interview Josh McDaniels. There's a reason. I think people are kind of just out on him right now. Um, so sure, Philly, if you want to do it, go ahead. I, I'm not going to feel confident about it. I don't feel confident about that team. The cap is really messed up. Carson Wentz looked awful this year. If I was Brian Dable, if I'm Eric Bieniemy, and I get offered that job, I'm, I'm saying, eh, I can, I can wait one more year. I can let Mahomes and Josh Allen be some of the top quarterbacks in football for another season, prove, that I, prove to some of these teams that they screwed up big time, and then get a better, you know, available job and... and I, I don't think anybody would be smart to take the to take the Texans job. Really, to me, the Texans job at this point, it, it needs the Ron Rivera treatment. It needs a guy that is just a, a lovable guy to uh, you know push away the fact that they have a, a pretty hateable head coach, or not head coach, owner, Jack Easterby. The two of them, you need a head coach that is going to be able to shut away those, those assholes. They're not people that are liked by anybody in, in the world of football. So if you're a head coach, you know, I, I saw some of the guys that they were interviewing. I pray to God that Matt Eberflus doesn't go there. I pray that, you know, maybe he just has another great season as uh, for the Colts defensive uh, coordinator job next year and then takes a better gig. I just, I'm, I'm going to feel bad for whoever takes this job if they're a young up-and-coming guy or if it's a guy where this is their first head coaching gig. To me, and now that I'm thinking about this, this is where I say, like, 
hey, go get Marvin Lewis. Get a guy that's just a good dude. A good character. And he's had success. Sure, he's not flashy, but Houston doesn't need flashy right now. They need stability. They need their players to actually want to play for their team. And uh, and I, I don't know. I think they just, to me, they're in a situation much like Washington last year where I say, you got to bring in a guy that is just going to keep everybody calm, get through the next season, you know, Hopefully you can separate the noise from Jack Easterby. Hopefully he lets you be a head coach. Hopefully Nick Casario is at least on your side. But, I mean, if I was a young head coach and this was going to be my first gig, I would just say, hey, thanks, but no thanks. I can I can wait another year. I can be a dominant coordinator again for one of the best offenses in football. You know, for enemy, it'll be for, what, the fourth year in a row now? Um, for for uh, Dable, it'll be the second or third year. I would wait. I wouldn't take either of these jobs. So yeah, uh, I think that wraps everything up. I don't think there's anything else that I wanted to talk about in terms of the coaching landscape. We addressed the Texans and, and Eagles at the end. Um, talked about every every hire. I know it's a little bit longer of a pod. I've been good about keeping these in the in the 30 to 45 minute range. We're at about 53 right now. Um, but. You know, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of hires that were made. I'm not going to get into a bunch of the GM hires. Um, you know, I, there's so much that you can know, you can think you can know about GMs or not know. Really, I, I need one off season, at least to start feeling good or bad about one. Um, but you know, just to recap, really love favorite hire is Robert Sala to the New York Jets. Uh, I have questions about the longevity of the Urban Meyer era in Jacksonville, but if it works, it's going to make that franchise more relevant than they've been over the last 20 years. Um, the Falcons, um, I'm not buying into Arthur Smith. He's a smart dude. I just don't know if he's got the, the character and leadership and control of a locker room to really get guys to buy in. And uh, the track record, you know, is short. It's brief. It was successful, but brief. And I didn't like the fact that um, in their losses, he failed to recognize and adapt to the game as it was as it was developing. Um, and you know, to say, "Hey, Derrick Henry's averaging two yards a carry. We got to throw the football." Um, Brandon Staley, another guy. I say, you know, I, I'm I'm sad that you know they didn't wait for Brian Dable, but he's a he's had success everywhere he's gone, and he's been in you know multiple different you know locations. You've seen it. At the collegiate level, you've seen it with the Bears, you've seen it with the Broncos, you just saw it last year with the Rams. I, I think he will do a great job. To me, I just would have rather had uh, the same offensive coordinator for, for Justin Herbert for the next decade. Um, because I, I think asking a young quarterback to have to you know change and learn new things year after year is just not an easy way to have uh, a success at the position. Uh, but still think he's going to be a good head coach. Um, and then Dan Campbell, I, I got to switch the grade to just a question mark. There's not a whole lot that I know or can base off of his track record. The Saints have been great. You know, I give Sean Payton all the love in the world. So if he's learned, if he's learned a lot from Sean Payton in the last five years, he can be great. Um, but I, I, I mean, there's just not much outside of that to where I say, okay, he's had success there. He's had success there. Like the Dolphins, you know, from 2010 to 2015, would you say that they were all that relevant? Probably not. You know, what if he just joined the Saints and had a lot of success with the Saints? Any interviews? Well, we'll find out. I'm going to give it a question mark. And then uh, Eagles and, and Texans, I mean, steer clear. 
Steer clear. Let Josh go and fail in Philadelphia. Fuck that guy. I can say that. He, he screwed over the Colts. It worked out for us anyways, but fuck that guy. And then, uh, you know, I, it's interesting because I don't think he's interviewed there at all. But if I was the Texans, I would say, hey, we need a PR hire more than anything right now. We need to get this organization back into a place where people actually want to play for us. Um, and so that would be a guy that I'd say, Marvin Lewis, what are you doing? Uh, but yeah, that'll wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, we will be back on Friday uh, previewing conference championship weekend. Like I've said throughout the week, we couldn't have had better matchups uh, between Rodgers and Brady, Mahomes and Josh Allen. It's going to be such a fun slate. Enjoy these games um, because we've only got three left. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I'm able to enjoy the offseason enough where I'll, I'll survive, but I'm definitely going to be so bummed out when this season ends. It's been such a, a fun year of football in a year where sports have, you know, really changed. Um, you know, it's provided us an outlet outside of all the shit that's been going on in the world. So thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to go like, review, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, share it with your football friends, people that you like to talk about the sport with. I appreciate the support and feedback as always. Uh, my name is Blake Pace. Thanks for listening to Quick Hits. I'll talk to you guys on Friday. Peace.